Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we are talking about possibly one of my favorite topics, which is mental health. And I think, you know, called a really good thing over the last few years, mental health has really started to be okay to talk about, right? It's been okay to bring it up. It's been okay to say that we are struggling mentally. But what I still don't see enough content around is like what to actually do about it. It's one thing to recognize that you need help. It's another thing to actually be getting help. And that is why I'm so pumped to have Erica Davis on the show today. She's the VP of Go-To-Market Strategy at Greaser Consulting. But really what we're diving into is what she's doing in her side time. Her side hustle is getting certified as a therapist, as a clinical psychologist, like really learning what goes into our brains and how to help people through this, especially in the sales world. So we're going to be diving into deep brain stuff today. Erica, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm pumped for this. And I can't remember if it was a post that triggered it or so you, you wrote something. I'm like, I need her on the show. We're talking about mental health and I'm pumped for this. And so I, I'm going to start here. It's like, why is this so important to you, right? To one, obviously you're writing about it, but you're spending your nights, your weekends learning how to address this as well. So talk to me a little bit like why this is so important to you as a topic. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, for the last four years, I've been spending nights and weekends on this. So, so obviously I'm pretty invested. Um, but I think, you know, personally, I used to be one of those people that would say something like, you know, I'm a logical person, not an emotional person, which I've said before meant to me, like, I'm better than you if you're struggling. <laughs> like, I think I, it was always a sense of pride for me that I could just sort of white knuckle my way through anything. 
Um, and that eventually caught up with me. And I really struggled being someone who puts my work ethic and just, you know, my ability to really persevere. That's like one of the things I like most about myself. And so if I were struggling mentally, it would really, I, I would feel very weak. Um, and eventually I just burned out really hard and therapy really helped me. And so I said, hey, I want to be close to this, regardless of what I end up doing in my career. I really want to be not only educated, and I want to go through this process of getting to be a licensed therapist, um, I want to do that for my own growth, but also um, I want to be close to that work my whole life because I think it's important for me. And I know so many other people in sales, especially um, who were very similar to me, who are really hard workers, who thought that, oh, if I'm struggling, it's my problem that I need to fix, um, which we can go into that. I'd love to talk oh, about that. Um so just, you know, my own need, first and foremost, really. Um, but second, just a desire to be close to this work and to, to spread it as much as I can. And you, I mean, there's so much we can unpack even just from that first answer there, yeah. right? Around burnout, this white knuckle type mindset of like, I just have to go through it. Because so often in sales, right, we tell people they need to be gritty. Mm-hmm. You got to be gritty to be in sales. But then in a lot of ways, what we're telling people is that literally to grit is like to hold on to for longer than you should or to hold on to through hard times. So let's first talk about the idea around burnout, because I think this is a topic that, again, is getting brought up more and more. But let's flip it from kind of what it is to what are some of the things that you have learned or seen to help prevent burnout and recover from burnout? Because there's the two sides of it. It's like, how do we prevent it from happening? But then we all get to that place. What do we do when we get there? Yeah, I think for, you know, I can use my own example and speak from my own experience. And then I can talk more generally. But I think something that I always really struggled with was, you know, I would say a lot to my own therapist, you know, my work ethic is really important to me. Like if I, cause I used to think that recovering from burnout and taking care of my mental health meant that I shouldn't work as hard or that I shouldn't want to be the best at what I do and I shouldn't sort of strive for greatness. And so I would think that if I were to quote unquote recover from my burnout or take care of my mental health, it meant that I couldn't still like those things about myself and that I would have to just sort of, you know, settle for being mediocre, or, you know, whatever I would tell myself. And so I think it really comes down to understanding what's important to you. Um, I think burnout a lot of times comes not necessarily from working too hard, but from putting yourself in a situation where you're working really hard at things that aren't important to you and you don't find meaning in those things anymore. So I think getting really honest about what's important to you and letting the other things kind of go, prioritizing what's important and letting those other things go has been really helpful for me in understanding, like, if I only have this amount of energy, where am I going to put that and how am I going to accept that I'm not going to be able to give 100% to every single thing. Mm -hmm. And so how, how do you help separate that in sales, right? Because what's important to a lot of us in sales is hitting the number. Yeah. That is important to me that yeah. because that's going to pay my livelihood. It's going to pay my bills. It allows me to live, right? Yeah. So do you have, I guess, recommendations on how to separate from that? Because also, too, like, you know, I talk about this a lot with my own teams. Is like, the, like money is not a motivator for most people. 
money is not important to most people, but what money provides is important yes. to a lot of people. So how do you recommend disconnecting? Because I worry some people would listen and go like, all right, so you're telling me to not care about hitting my number? Yeah. Like, yep. So break that one down for me a little bit. Yeah, I was I was that person, so I can totally speak to that. You know, and I think, you know, I I would feel a little bit like a liar if I didn't just say like, you know, I think I, I think I'm still figuring this out, right? I think there's still times in my role now where I experience burnout. Um, one of the things that has changed fundamentally in me is the belief in what I need to do when I'm approaching burnout, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to think that when I was approaching burnout, what I needed to do is just double down and just run into the fire harder. And now I fundamentally believe that, you know, hey, if I've already worked 10 hours today and my impulse is to work for more, what I really need to do is go to spin class, call a friend and go to bed at 8.30, you know, and I, instead of staying up until 11 and, and working. And I think that for me, it's taken me a couple of times of going way past my threshold with burnout to realize that running myself into the ground is not actually going to make me more effective. So it's really about believing and knowing what recharges your batteries. So that that's kind of the first thing. Um with, with hitting your number and all of that, like I get that too. I'm still in a revenue position and I'm responsible for, you know, revenue at our org and managing a sales team and all of that. So I, I get that I've been a, an SDR and an AE. So I totally understand that. One of the things that I always tell my reps is when you feel like you're, you're running really hard and you're trying to do a lot of output, right? There's a lot of um, emphasis in sales on activity, right? Make, a, make this many calls, do this many emails. Um, I think about, you know, when you, when you feel like you've pushed as hard as you can with output, think about input. Like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Like, how are you getting new ideas? So you're not just like banging your head against a brick wall again and again and again. Like, how are you feeling excited? Because when you're prospecting, let's say on LinkedIn, for example, like if I were to have written posts and I was in the mindset of like, oh, I have to publish this content on LinkedIn and I was publishing it with no energy, you never would have contacted me to be on this podcast. But because when I was publishing on LinkedIn, like my energy, like I was excited. I wanted to share. I was really enjoying what I was doing. It attracts people who are interested. And that's the same when you're prospecting. So I think, you know, how are you getting input, whether that's, you know, asking your manager for another call, whether that's asking a teammate to get their eyes on a new script or some emails that you're writing, asking for input, reading something new, listening to something new, seeking out new perspectives and new information, it does recharge you and it's making you better at the same time. So that's something really actionable that I think sales reps could do more of mm-hmm. um, to get just some new fresh energy in the day. Yeah, I've tried. I'm trying to remember where I read read it. I have it somewhere because I took a course on it. It's like zero to to impossible, but it talked about like burnout. One of the core things for burnout and one of the core things for stress is lack of progress. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're working hard but feel like you're progressing. Yes you don't tend to feel as much stress. You don't feel like burning out. But when you're working hard and not progressing, or even worse, you're working hard and you feel like you're going backwards, that's when the burnout really starts to to occur. And what I like how you called out here is like obviously guarding your inputs, right? Because if you're also putting a lot of garbage in, 
you're going to feel a certain type of way, but, you know, asking for inputs, asking for helps, getting new ideas. Cause then it's, again, it can generate progress where you feel like you're actually getting towards something. Whereas, um, you know, asking someone to run for an hour, asking someone to push against a wall for an hour, it's way easier to run for an hour than it is to push just against a wall for an hour and nothing occur. And yeah. so now let's flip it to the other side of this. So like, all right, Erica, I'm burnt out. Nope. Actually, different question. How do you know you're burnt out? How do you know you're burnt out versus tired, burnt out versus needing a break? Because there's a difference. There's there's levels yeah. to this, right? So like, what are some of the signs of like, you know what, if I actually am burnt out versus, you know, I can just keep going. This is just a low point I need to work through. Yeah, um, I think everyone has maybe different things that they notice in themselves. For me, I notice I'm burnt out when I get angry. Like someone, you know, I'll show up to work and I don't know, I'll just get on LinkedIn, I'll see a post, I'll just feel so angry. And on a normal day when I'm feeling healthy, like I don't care, you know, I'll just let it brush off or I'll think things are funny. But when I start getting angry, when I stop laughing, um, when I just start to kind of resent the things that I do day to day, I know that I need to take a step back. Um, and yeah, I mean, those are those are the, the ways that I know. And I think the difference really between what people are calling burnout and just being really tired is that lack of meaning, that lack of connection, that lack of purpose and drive. Um, and I think there's you know, this is a, probably another podcast topic entirely, but there's really only so much you can do to control that. There's also then another conversation to be had about, you know, being part of an institution or part of a system or an organization that isn't treating you well, right? So burnout sometimes is a sign you need to leave. Burnout could also be a sign that you need to change. Like sometimes I'll ask myself, do I need to change my perspective or do I need to change my environment? And if I can't change either of those things meaningfully, then I just know it's out of my control and I just need to take care of myself. So that, that, those questions to me are super helpful with burnout. Um, and if I know that I can't change my perspective, it's usually the environment that I need to change. So do I need to take a day off? Do I need to like go to go call a friend, go to therapy, go to a spin class? Those are like my three my three go tos. Go for a walk with my dog. Yeah. Well, what I like that you're calling out there, and I want to go a little bit deeper on this, right? Is like you know change of perspective versus change of environment, because I do think a lot of people, especially during you know this this great resignation, great switch, great everything that's been going on is like they changed the environment without changing their perspective. Yep. And then they wonder why after those first 90 days, they're back to feeling the same way they were before. So let's talk about this perspective because I think oftentimes actually people change their environment too quick or they blame the environment without actually getting into the perspective. So talk about that a little bit more of like, how do you change your perspective? Kind of same idea. Like, how do I know when it's perspective versus, oh, Erica's just a mean boss. And oh, if I just had a better boss, then I wouldn't be burnt out. So then I leave and then I go get another boss and it's the exact same thing. So let's talk about perspective a little bit because I think that's important. Yeah. Oh, I, I love this conversation. Um, one of the most shocking things that I've learned in my graduate school is that emotions are not thoughts, right? Emotions aren't in your minds. They're in your body, 
right? Chemical. So, they yeah, are chemical. Emotions are chemicals. Exactly. And so I think, you know, I grew up as a competitive athlete. I was a basketball player and I was always on like traveling teams and all of that. And I, I just grew up with this mentality of like mind over matter, push through. And so I always thought like my thoughts are my feelings. And if I can just change the way I think, like that's all I have to do. Um, and then what I've learned in school is that emotions are physical sensations in your body or like feelings are physical sensations in your body and your thought patterns are related, but that's a learned connection that you have. So for example, I think sometimes when people feel really tired, tired isn't a thought, but you have thoughts that come up when you get tired. Like for me, it's anger. So I'll, I'll be really angry at someone. And so this is my, my shift in perspective. When I get angry, I, I like take a step back and I say, okay, do I need a nap? <laughs> right? Do I need to take a walk? Do I need fresh air? Like, have I just been sitting for three hours straight? Do I have a desk treadmill? I'm like, do I need to walk for an hour and, you know, do some work? Just some, do I need some solitude? Um, and so perspective, changing my perspective to me, the easiest way to do that is to change my physical experience. So do I need to move? Do I need to lay down? Do I need to pet my dog? Do I need to talk to someone I really focus on paying attention to how my body feels. Like I've, I've done yoga for a while. And one of the things that I learned from a teacher is a cue is like, again, when I feel really tense, my, I have a yoga teacher that always asks like, how far are your shoulders from your ears? Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while, when I'm finding myself on my computer hunched up and like angry, I'll just say, okay, can I get my shoulders a little farther from my ears? And then all of a sudden I feel differently. And so it's, it's, it's funny. And I think, you know, to someone thinking about this concept for the first time, that it's like, oh, my perspective isn't just about, you know, this is the white knuckling part, right? Mm-hmm. That it's like, if you feel stressed out, like, like, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this, either someone saying it to you, you saying it to someone, or you witnessing the interaction when someone's really worked up about something and someone else is like, you need to calm down. It's like, that never was like the worst, the opposite happens, right? You just get 10 times as keyed up as you just were. And so that's such a good example of how changing your perspective isn't about noticing what you're thinking and being like, I shouldn't think that. Um, you know, one of the, th- one of the terms I've learned in school that I really like is, um, a professor of mine says you shouldn't should all over yourself. Right. Don't should all over yourself. If you feel this way, that's how you feel. You can't just decide to feel differently, but what you can do and the way you can change your perspective is to pay attention to how your body feels and then put yourself, you know, in a different situation just for a moment. And maybe it's even five minutes. Maybe it's just, you know, I love the like two minute meditations on headspace or just like, hey, play a two minute meditation, do some deep breathing. That used to make me so upset when I would like when I would lose a game or something or, you know, if if my meeting no showed or if I lost a deal as an AE and I would be angry and someone would be like, hey, just take a couple deep breaths. I'd be like, screw off, man. Like, don't tell me what to do. But now because, you know, I have had this psychoeducation and I've seen it work like with my clients as a therapist, um, it's like, oh no, that's science. That's not some woo-woo magic thing. Like that's that's been studied and proven. And it's so hard to hear that if you've been, you know, part of a, a culture that teaches you that 
you know, your thoughts determine your actions. So just change your thoughts and you're in control. Um, it's really hard to let go of that mentality because it is appealing, right? Mm-hmm. It is appealing to think that, oh, if I'm just really determined and I can work as hard as I want to, I, I don't ever want to quit, right? That's the thing. Of course, I never want to quit, but sometimes you have to slow down. Um, you have to just take it, take it easy, um, take it easier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the fastest way to being successful. But it's hard to learn that if you've always believed the opposite. Mm-hmm. And what I love that you called out there, and Tony Robbins actually talks about this a lot, right? Like motion creates emotion, mm. right? So if you're feeling a certain type of way, change the way you're moving, right? Because to your point, right, your ears are up, you're holding your breath, you're clenching, you're leaned over. That creates a different type of emotion than, okay, standing up, getting big, relaxing your arms, putting your head back. Like there's all sorts of different things you can do your body that change the chemicals it's releasing, which then changes the emotion and then the thoughts that can come with it. So I actually just finished um, a book literally in two days. Um, Don't Believe Everything You Think. So good, like so good. And it talks about the difference between thinking and thoughts. And the whole premise is like, all suffering comes from thinking, not from thoughts. Thoughts just appear and they go. Like when we are having the most joy in our life, we're not thinking. Whatever, When we're playing, we're not thinking. When you were on the basketball court, you weren't thinking. You had thoughts, but you weren't thinking. And the moment you start to think on the court, it falls apart, right? And so it's just a really, really good fast read. I recommend it. I've recommended it. Like I literally got it on like, I think, geez, Saturday, finished it by Tuesday. I've recommended it to like 10 people already. Like, but this is a big part of it. It's like you change your state and it can change the emotions and go from there. But now let's flip it to the other side then, right? So these are some of the things to get ahead of it. When you are burnt out, when you realize that, okay, I'm no longer at my best. I've changed my perspective. Like I'm, t- I'm there, right? I'm angry. I'm resentful. I'm apathetic. You know, like those types of emotions start to be there. What do you do to work yourself out of it? Because I think oftentimes the advice given there is just too soft. You know, Erica, just just take a long weekend. Oh, yeah, because that that's going to do it. That's just going to solve what took a year to get to. I'm going to solve in three days. So, like, what are some of the things to do to get yourself back? Right. She said change perspective. Um, change environment. What else can be done to get back to your full self. Yeah, one one thing I was thinking, um, just as you were talking about kind of suffering that's related to this, is um, just this concept of good emotions and bad emotions. You know, one thing, again, I've learned in school, which is, you know, the goal, like good mental health and being mentally healthy isn't about feeling happy or joyful all the time. It's about feeling the full spectrum of human emotion at the appropriate time. Right. So I think one thing that's really helpful around burnout is like noticing those noticing what negative emotions you're having and instead of feeling like oh i shouldn't feel that or it's so bad that i feel that way like that's data good emotions and bad emotions they're both data and you wouldn't you know as a sales leader you wouldn't look at all your data and be like let's just look at the good data because that's where we want to go no the bad data you know is telling you what needs to change right like anger sadness frustration those move you to action 
And so a lot of times when you're burnt out, like maybe, for example, you're being asked to do something at work that you don't think is ethical, right? And if that's like one of like a big reason why a lot of mental health care workers, for example, are burned out, or I'm just thinking about, you know, the last couple of years and the hospital system, right? There's just like way too much work, way understaffed. And it's like at a certain point, it's like, this isn't safe. Um, And so maybe you're asked to do something that's unethical, or maybe you're just people aren't taking care of you. They don't have your best interests in mind. And so in that case, like, I think having some compassion for yourself when you're burnt out to say, oh man, like I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling resentful. And I'm right to feel that way. Like I have been through it and this is hard and I'm a human being and I have these feelings, not because I'm weak, but because I've been worked to the bone. And of course I feel that way. Like in therapy, there's so much of coursing, right? Uh Like, of course you feel that way because, and like, I've actually just been really shocked in my like last year of clinical experience, how helpful it is just to like, you know, I'll be working with clients and I'll just, of course, of course, of course, the whole hour. And I can just see how light people get when they realize that they're having their emotional experience that they're having for like very rational (laughs) reasons, right? Like emotions in that sense are rational. It's like, of course you would feel that way if you've been through that. So I think, um, you know, I just posted this morning on LinkedIn about having your own back because I think so much when we're burned out, like I know I've been through this, when I've been burned out, that's the time when I'm the hardest on myself. Say like, oh, you have to pull through this. Like you can't feel this way. You're weak, You whatever. I would tell myself to try to be stronger, but sometimes having that compassion for yourself is, you know, the first thing that you need to do. Um, and that takes a little bit of that, that edge off. And I, I think... It's also important um, just to note here that not everyone can just like quit their job, right? Mm-hmm. And I I have a lot of a lot of empathy for people who are in situations where you know maybe they're supporting a family, um, maybe they I don't know, whatever reasons that people have for not being able to just up and quit their job. Like so, giving people the advice if they're burnt out just to quit and find a better job. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a certain sense of privilege that comes with that. I think you know, in in a perfect world, I think if if your job isn't you know, isn't, you know, honoring to your dreams and you're not being treated well, like, yeah, you should be able to just up and leave, but that's not the reality of everyone. So I think, again, having compassion for yourself, seeking support, um, use the word play, which I think is so, so important. There's been a lot of studies done about the importance of play and finding joy um, in work and relationships, just in general as humans. So, you know, if you, if you can't quit your job, maybe get a dog, right? Um, and, not a puppy, uh, though, y'all. Not a puppy. Adopt. adopt yeah, you, yeah. Adopt. Adopt like a one to four year old dog. Mm-hmm. Um, any dog. No, adopt any yeah. dog. Um, but so I think finding that if you can't, again, if you can't just leave your job, um, finding that compassion for yourself, finding that play, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of like when, you know, people want to like change their diet, for example. It's like if you focus on adding the good stuff first mm-hmm. instead of thinking about what you have to leave or what you have to quit or what you have to cut out, sometimes that can be so much more accessible. Um, and so I think having social support is super, super important. Um, I love the the rise of like communities online in the last couple of years. I think some awesome 
like sales and revenue communities have popped up. And I think, especially with everyone working remotely or with so many people working remotely now, it used to be that, you know, if you were having a rough day in sales, you could just turn to your teammate and, you know, have a heart to heart, go for a walk, grab a conference room. And I think that was for me as a sales rep, that was always like really helpful when I felt myself approaching that burnout threshold. Um, but now that so many people don't have that, having communities and being able to connect with people and talk openly about it. I think, as you mentioned in the beginning, the fact that there are so many more open conversations about this, I think, can help people um, not only come down from burnout once they experience it, but the goal would be to catch it earlier and earlier and earlier so you don't end up in a position where, you know, I don't know where you have to quit your job suddenly or something like that. No, I think it's key, right? It's like joy, play, right? Just where, again, you're not thinking. You're not thinking when you're playing with your dog. You're not thinking when you're playing a game. Like um, one of my favorite books is Actionable uh, Gamification by Yukai Choi. Um, Super Better is another one from Jane McGonigal. And she talked a lot about depression and how games gamification got, you know, helped her with the depression throughout all this. And so finding places just like one of my, like, so I have um, a small affirmation, like passionate, playful, present. Like that's something I say to myself daily, all the time, passionate, playful, and present, you know, like whatever it is I'm doing, whether that's with my, my kids, my job, like bring that passion, but play, have some fun with this and be present, right? Be there, be there for it. And so, oh man, we're already coming up on 30. There's so much that I want to unpack here. So let's flip it real quick because, you know, we've been talking about it overall. Let's get really now specific to sales, right? What can sales leaders do to better protect and support the mental health of their team? Yeah, I think from the very beginning, like if you're, if you're a manager of a sales team, when you hire someone new, I think it's really important to take the time to get to know them, get to know what motivates them, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, one of the things as a former teacher, um, one of the things I always ask people when I start working with them is how do you learn? How do you communicate? Um, you know, like, for example, if I were in an interview, I might ask someone, you know, tell me about a time when someone's communicated poorly with you, what, what happens and what could they have done better? And that not only tells me how they like to be communicated with, but it also tells me how much insight they have into their own communication style. And it's not necessarily a bad thing if someone doesn't have a lot of insight into their communication style or into what motivates them. But as a leader, it tells you that this person might not be able to ask very directly for what they need. And so you might have to have a little bit more patience with that person. Whereas another person might come to you and like, when I go to my boss, I always say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I need from you. And this is what I don't want. And, you know, man, there might like, sometimes I'll say, you know, I don't need, I, like, I want to work through this with you. I have an issue. I don't have a solution yet. What I would like to do is be able to tell you everything I've thought about, the solutions that I have, pros and cons of those. And then I want to lay that all out on the table and I want to spend 15 minutes like doing what if scenarios before you tell me what to do or before you shut anything down like I will preface in a one-on-one -on -one with my boss I will say all of that and so when I'm you know when I'm leading a team I want everyone on my team to feel comfortable coming to me and saying that too and I I think modeling vulnerability as well like I think 
you know, before I was ever a manager, I used to think like, oh, a manager's always have, they always have to have it together and they can never show weakness. But yeah, I mean, you know, I've been working at a bootstrap startup for the last three years and it's not always low stress. In fact, most of the time it's like peak stress. If that's, it's like a stress plateau. Um, uh -huh. And so, yeah, when my team comes to me and they say, hey, I'm really stressed, I'll say, hey, me too. Like, I'm really stressed too. And this is how, you know, I logged off at, you know, 5 p.m. last night. I went to spin class. I went for a walk. What did you do? Um, so modeling, being able to show your own vulnerabilities. Um, like, I've seen a lot on LinkedIn, which I know is not always it doesn't reflective of reality, but I, uh, <laughs> I've seen interactions a lot where someone, well, like usually it's an SDR would talk about being really stressed out and talk about um, just a desire to focus more on mental health. And then someone in the comments will say something like, well, if you can't handle stress, maybe sales isn't for you. And, you know, I think, I think people say that because there might be a, like a grain of truth in it, which is that, learning how to manage your stress and to manage your emotions and to understand how your own emotions work and how your own systems of motivation work, that will take you so far in sales or in leadership. And at the same time, if someone comes to you on your team and they say, hey, I'm really stressed out, and you say to them, well, maybe this isn't for you, someone was just really vulnerable with you, mm -hmm. right? Someone just came to you and said, hey, I'm struggling. And instead of saying, well, maybe this isn't for you, you can say, hey, tell me, tell me what's going on. I hear you're stressed. Totally makes sense. Of course, you're stressed. This job is really hard. Tell me what you're going through. And then they'll tell you. And then you can say something like, okay, I hear you saying this. What are you doing to, to help you process that stress? Um, you know, do you, do you need solutions of how to process the stress outside of work? Do we need to talk about maybe some things you could do during the workday? Um, I think caring for the whole person is such an important part of leadership. Um, and so being a good listener, not necessarily thinking that you know what someone means right away when they tell you they're stressed, because I think uh, a lot of times when someone will say something like, I'm stressed, there's this like light that goes off in sales leaders' brains. It's like complaints, excuses, <laughs> negative thing. <laughs> and I think um, that's that's a bad program. Um, so I think deprogramming that response to someone coming to you and expressing vulnerability is super important. And then being able to reflect that vulnerability back at them and just be a good listener. But also, I mean, not, not pretending that sales is ever going to be stress-free mm -hmm. and it's not about if you feel stressed this isn't for you it's in order to be really successful let's help you get really good at coping with stress and managing stress and managing it earlier and earlier before it becomes a big deal because if you're someone who is you know in an SDR role or in an AE role or in a sales leadership role like you're probably attracted to that for a reason like there's probably something within you that is made for it in a way. And it's okay if like, it's not for you. It's okay if you try it for a couple of years and you say, hey, this is too much for me or this isn't what I want. Like that's totally fine. Um, but I think you can have such a big impact in someone's career as a sales leader. If in that moment when someone's really wrestling with their own limitations, you can say to them, hey, like I hear you bumping up against your limitations. And how great is that? That's amazing that you're pushing yourself 
to your threshold, now is the point where you can grow. And in order to grow, you might need to learn how to cope or how to manage things in new ways. So let's talk about that. Um, one last thing I'll say, I know I've been talking for a while, but uh, one thing I, I wrote about recently was this idea of how people always say, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And then the minute that you're like, I'm uncomfortable, it's like, stop being weak. Yeah. <laughs> and, and instead of in that moment where, you, where you're bumping up against that limitation, it's like, wow, what a gift. What a gift that you've found an environment and that you've actually been willing to push yourself to your limit and maybe a little bit beyond to the point where now you're in this space where you're not totally sure how to manage, like that's a gift that you've given yourself and see it that way. Um, that can really, again, make a huge impact in someone's career if you can teach them how to navigate and steward that space well. Mm-hmm. And the, oh man, see, we're going to have to do a part two because there's so much here that we can keep going down. I think where I want to wrap on this is this idea of coping and managing. Because we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I'd love to kind of just, you know, end on this idea of like, what are some of those strategies to better cope and manage stress? Because I've had some of those same conversations and actually, are you familiar with Jeff Jeff Reisley? Uh Okay, so like Jeff and I actually had this conversation, borderline a little bit of a debate. Um, This is a couple, uh, more than a couple months back, time blurs now. But it was like, at what point though, is the stress of sales not good for somebody? You know, it's never the first. It's never like you come to me and say like, I'm stressed. Oh, you should not be in sales. It's not the second. It's not the third. But after six months, eight months of watching someone suffer through the stressors that come, at what point do you make that recommendation. So that's part of a whole nother conversation because that one I've, I've struggled with myself personally. I'm like, this isn't good for this person's mental health anymore. And I've tried to do all of these things and they are just not in a good place. At what point do you make that suggestion to someone? So we'll, we'll, I'm going to bring you back for part two. But what I want to end on is like, okay, so coping, managing stress. What would be some of your best advice there that maybe we haven't touched on so far that reps could apply, but also leaders listening could apply to their teams to help them better manage and cope with the stress that does come with sales? Yeah, I I might've been using these two a little more interchangeably than I would like to, but I think coping in my mind means that you're kind of approaching crisis mode right? That at this point, it's no longer about like laying all your cards on the table and figuring out what works. It's about, you know, in the moment, like calming yourself down and Mm -hmm. coping with that stress. And so um, I think taking a break, taking a walk, these are things that we've already kind of touched on, Um, but it doesn't have to, this is the most important thing is when I say take a break, people think like, oh, take a week off or, you know, take a month off or whatever it is. It's like, no, I mean like five minutes, Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't have conversations when you're angry. Don't cold call when you're angry. Don't, don't send cold emails when you're angry. Um, I think music can be a huge one. You know, I have three or four playlists on my phone on Spotify that I have for different moods. Like I have a really angry one. I have a really sad one. I have a happy one. And so I think music can be so great for regulating your mood. Um, I think one thing you can do, not when you're maybe in crisis, but ahead of it is just to get a friend and say, Hey, like, 
you want to like, let's make a pact, you know, if, Mm -hmm. you know, like if one of us is in crisis, like, let's just have a pact that we can always text each other and it'll never, never feel like a burden. Cause I think a lot of times when people are in crisis, they feel like they're going to burden someone else with that, that crisis. And so I think that can be really helpful too, especially if it's someone in your same role. And if the stress is work related, I think that can be, be really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Managing stress, I think so much about managing stress is self-knowledge, right? So I know for myself, for example, like I don't have a lot of chill. And so if someone were to tell me that the best way to manage my stress is to sit and quietly meditate for 30 minutes, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm just not going to manage my stress. Like I need, I need to go to spin class at 530 in the morning. (laughs) Like that's what I need someone yelling at me and I need loud music and I need, you know, I need something that will match the intensity um, so for me, like stress management is really about making sure that I include activities in my week that I know are going to help regulate my mood and sort of keep me on on track. So I think just sitting down, you know, I have a I'm a big calendar time blocker um, and I think like I have a color just for like my self-care activities. So it's like work is blue and school is pink and then self-care is yellow. And so I look at my week and I just make sure that every day there's something yellow on my calendar, preferably early, early in the morning. So I know that I won't skip it later. Um, and if there's not enough, I kind of think about, okay, where can I, where can I put that in? So management just feels more like a, like a longer term strategy that can be adjusted over time. And there's different seasons too. Like mm-hmm. also just understanding that some seasons you're going to need more, some seasons you're going to be okay with less. Um, and to not be like, we haven't talked a lot about like rigid thinking, but I think being willing to like let some ideas that you might've had about yourself go. Cause that's what growth mm-hmm. is. It's about kind of writing a new story um, about yourself so much here, Erica. Dang it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's so much. What you we can't cover all mental health in under 40 minutes? Like crazy. Oh, man. I would be pretty angry if we could because I've been in school for like four, for years. four years. <laughs> like, wait, that's all it took? So no, I mean this this was phenomenal. I do think this is opening the doors to more conversations. So we definitely will do a a part two of this as we continue down this path because it's important. Right. This is why I started the, the podcast or this idea of like live better, sell better, the idea of like the person in salesperson. That was our number one virtue in my org of like we take care of the person in salesperson. Right. We did. We did. We practiced meditation as a group. We did visualization. We did goal setting. One of the questions on our one on one doc is how are you taking care of yourself this week? Like, how are you taking care of yourself this week? Are we being proactive? Anytime a manager brought a rep to me saying like, yo, like they're struggling. First question always was, when's the last time they did something that brought them joy? Not why are they feeling it that way? Not what it's like, when's the last time they did something that brought them joy? Go assign that. Right? Go assign that. No, no, no. Go make more dials. Oh, they love yoga? Go tell them to take a yoga class at noon. Assign it. Make that the assignment because I think there's so many things that we can do here. So, Erica, where can people find you, get more of you? Where are you putting out content on this stuff? Where can they get more Erica Davis in their life? So LinkedIn is where where I'm at most days. Um, Pretty responsive to comments and direct messages. So that's probably the best place to reach me. We just started a podcast too called RevOps Therapy, um, where we talk about revenue operations and the people behind it. So um, so I, I kind of co-host that with our CEO, Jordan Greaser. So check us out there too. 
Nice. I did an interview earlier today um, with with uh, Rachel uh, Nasbeth. So she phenomenal RevOps leader. So grab her, get her on on the show as well. But um, awesome, Erica. Thank you so much for your time and energy. We will do another session on this for sure. But until then, we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah.